0: PulpMX Network Production.
1: A series of the most exciting action imaginable. five for Ryan two
2: Welcome to the Leah Re-Racables on PulpMX.com. This and Weed revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old.
3: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast, special edition, some might say. Thanks for listening. Uh, tell a friend. Subscribe. Pass it on. Really, really fun to do these, and we really appreciate you people uh, with the feedback, man. It's been great. we got the Liat Re- Re-Raceables categories as well. Thanks to the folks at Liet. uh, Of course, the Motor Concepts guys running it and uh, doing really well in Supercross. They have the 9.5, 8.5 helmets, 5.5 flex lock boots, the Velocity goggles. You know our own Chris Kiefer helped develop the boot. By the way, com. Uh, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we will pass on a code to save with Liet.com. Uh Yeah, different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it, and this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and, of course, the neck braces as well, covering riders from head to toe, from moto and mountain bike, and uh, visit them at com. Again, if you know their braces over the years, and that's what really – Put them on the map. They make much, much more than that. Thank you to the folks at Scott as well for coming on board. Scott Sports have been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. They're a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. And goggle, guys. Uh, Jason Anderson. Yeah. Jason Anderson, Pro Circuit. Caleb Russell. Ween and more. Choose the quality product and support from Scott. They're excited to relive iconic moments in this sport with this very podcast many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Guts Racing on board. Maxis and Pro ProTaper will tell you about more later. But uh, 2008, perfect season, 450 motocross. What's up, Jason? Well, again, How are you? Yeah,
1: but I'm not really the big story here. I'm not really, you know, the big reason that people are listening to this pod, the fact that you got me on the phone. We did it, Steve, or more accurately, you did it.
3: You I did. Yep. yep,
1: caught it. You ha- you put a wide net out there. Mm-hmm. You were searching for the elusive, I don't know, the big the big fish, and you have done it. James Stewart will appear on this episode of the show.
3: Yeah, it's great. Thanks to James for calling in and doing it. Um, really, really good to talk to him. He's got his podcast. It's it's got some great stuff in it. Uh, his his interviews with Davy Coombs. His interviews with Jeremy Albrecht have been good. James is more media friendly than ever. Now, when I first approached him on this podcast, because, you know, I mean, obviously, there's so many re-raceables moments. He's like, hey, I'm doing some of those in my podcast. So I don't really want to do talk about them on your podcast. I'm doing some for my podcast. And I said, all right. Is there anything you'll talk about that you think you can do for us? Like, <laughs> do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Malcolm or anybody, anything? Um,
1: yeah, you um, talk about like a Moto at Loretta's when yes. you're an amateur. Like, like what's left?
3: Yeah, because I pitched to him Toronto and I pitched to him um, Bud's Creek, right? And a couple of iconic rides that he's had and Bud's Creek uh, 125 class. Yep. And he, and he's like, no, no, I'm doing those. So listen to his podcast for that kind of stuff. But we, I did come up with a. Second rider in history to do go twenty four and zero, and Steel City two thousand eight was the race. Now we we again like I said, I mean I remember Timmy Ferry who went two two that day, kind of putting heat on them both motos the whole way. Oh
1: really? You remember that that way? Yeah, pushing them,
3: pushing them. Um, yep. yep. But I don't know if it really happened that way. But that's the way I remember it. But this uh, we're going to talk more about the season than Steel City. This is a special edition of Lee at Reasibles.
1: Yeah, we got Stu, and uh, the interview is a little longer than usual. Uh, He has great stories from this time. He has hit on a lot of this stuff on his pod, the Bubba's World pod, if you're listening to it. Uh, But, you still learn a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and you know what makes it even better now, Steve? And I know you'll agree with me on this. James was not always uh, super forthcoming back in his racing days. There was always this shroud of mystery of what was really going on, Mm -hmm. which uh, you know, I think he nurtured that a little bit. It almost added to the mystique. Uh, So... Now that you are getting these stories, and he's just telling you everything, uh, that makes it that much cooler. So I think he's hit on some of these topics on his own podcast before, but there's definitely some things that I didn't know about in here. So that's the focus.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, you know, we we've talked to James privately, and and, and of course uh, uh, the Cowie guys over the years, Bruce Sternstrom, all this stuff. So we know some of this stuff, but I, uh, you know, I learned more than five things on this phone call about the 2008 perfect season. That's right. yeah, um, yeah, yep. So you were, what were you doing 2008?
0: Yeah, uh,
1: this is the year before I uh, yep. started doing TV. Yep. I think the TV package was uh, a little lacking, not just in the great announcers uh, standpoint. <laughs> oh, wow.
3: Yeah, but okay. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think these races were on like Outdoor Life Network a week after the race or something like that. Uh, so we did, uh, we did stuff at the races. So I did a live, um, I think we took the announcer's feed and turned that into a live audio webcast you could listen to. This was the last year of the Saturday practice, Sunday racing. So I believe uh, there was a show called the Bottom Line Show. Yeah, you remember? Yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, I uh, was hosted by yourself. Yeah, I was running around uh, with Robo Rob. Yeah.
1: Yep. You did your show, Bottom Line Show. Uh, we did like a preview show separate from that on Saturdays, and a wrap-up show on Sunday. So, you know what? Honestly, what we were doing is uh, pretty much modern media stuff, but in two thousand eight, so it probably wasn't as popular as it should have been. I remember specifically this year, even getting James to come and do an interview on Saturday with Mark Deruver, who came over for Southwick. And, really? Uh,
3: J- really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. On Saturday
1: in the in the pit, like that little strip of road at Southwick where like the vendors are. Yeah. Yeah, and we just had a stage set up in there, and it was like me, James, and Deruver, the and they're acting like they're best friends. I don't know if they had ever been met before. And James's like, Mark, Mark, what's up? What's up? Booba, what's up, Booba? And like the fans were surrounding it. It was awesome. But it was two thousand eight. It was probably on YouTube somewhere. Uh people were probably like, YouTube, what's that?
3: Yeah, we did a um we did a, a post race show, right? Um every week? With the yeah, mo-
1: we did both. It was the uh moto- the Racer X motocross show.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's right. And then I did a bottom line show. Um yep. Yeah, I wasn't at all these races two years after I was finished being a mechanic. I was uh, not sure what I was doing, but I wasn't at every race because the infamous Cody Cooper Unadilla race, I was not there. I was listening Uh, to the announcer feed on my computer, and, yes, it's Cody Cooper putting heat on James Stewart for the perfect season.
1: Yeah, that was partially on me. I mean, we were hyping that up um, because it was closer than anyone had been to James pretty much all year, and then James fell, and then it was, like, really close, and I think if it was – ferry or burner or michael lessee or someone established challenging him that would have been like really exciting but the fact that it was cody freaking cooper and we're like this would be the greatest trivia answer ever like who ended james stewart's perfect season cody cooper uh we were getting exceptionally excited maybe maybe we had you at the edge of your seat I, maybe we were hyping it too much
3: i think you might have yeah i think he you was might freaking
1: have. close for a while dude james fell while leading okay
3: <laughs> okay all right yeah. well fair enough uh because yeah I, does seem like it was closer than what what it was you know the perfect season of course carmichael did it um uh two times before um it's and me as a former mechanic like think about all you know your your bike being perfect no crashes to throw away a moto no bad starts no first turn crashes you know it's pretty crazy that three that two guys did it three times
1: it is, you know, you look at anything in racing, uh, or I guess sports in general, and that's just considered not possible. Um, but what's crazy about all three of these perfect seasons, the two that Carmichael had and the one James did, there wasn't really much drama. There
3: like wasn't? The no.
1: Was the closest we came. There was really never a moment where you're like, oh, my God, he's got to come from last to first, and with two laps to go, he made the pass. Like, not any of those years.
3: No, 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 not at no. all. It was, I remember being like, Yeah, he won again. And he won won rather easily, you know? So.
1: Yes. Nothing uh, sticks out about either a Carmichael season or this one of, dude, the worst thing they could do is like they'd start like maybe fifth, (laughs) blow past dudes. And in James' case, we'll find out the goal was to lead by the end of the first lap. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't think anyone was going to catch him after that. So there was no drama. That's what's so crazy about it. It wasn't even that dramatic. Not just James, but Ricky, too. It was never close.
3: No, no. It was. Kind of like, yeah, ho hum, right? Um, all right, yep. thanks to the folks at Liat, of course. Email us using the contact form on PopMX. Thank you to the folks at Maxis Tires, MXSTs, uh, developed by A Ray and Cade Clayson. Sorry, developed by McGrath, used by Cade and. Uh, and uh, Much better. Yes, Much and A Ray. Great mountain bike tires, too. I love the minions that I have on my uh, intense tasers. Maxis.com, light truck tires, trailer tires. Please check them out. Uh, they support the sport in a number of ways. the folks at maxis good dudes over there, and uh, yeah, they have great tires as well. so please check out the folks at Maxis if you can and of course, guts Scott uh, pro taper and Liat. let's just uh, let's get into let's get into the Stu's uh, conversation with us shall we Weege?
1: sure it's James
3: Stewart and now we're very pleased to welcome the re Reracables two thousand steel city uh four fifty motocross race two thousand and eight as well as the entire season going perfect. It's James Stewart. What's up, Stu? How are you, man?
2: I'm doing good. How about you guys?
3: Thanks for doing this. We're great. Uh, Congrats on the success on the podcast. We were just talking before I hit record. The J-Bone one, the Coombs ones, your breakdowns. I haven't listened to every breakdown, but the Davey Coombs one, the J-Bone one, they're fantastic, man. Good job. Keep it up. Uh, Really, really good stuff.
2: No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, I I enjoy doing it, and uh, it's like we'd said before, like you kind of, you always watch, you know, and listen to it. And, and if you haven't done anything like that, you're like, man, I mean, how hard could it be? But I mean, I the, the level you guys do it at and, and, and to do it, you know, uh, again, especially even with you, Jason, like doing a lot of TV and working with different people. Like now I look at all media stuff, different, like everything, I look at it completely different. So as much respect as I always have, but it's on a different level now. And, uh, you know I, I give you guys a big thumbs up and a big uh pat on the back for continuing doing this because it ain't easy it, it definitely ain't and uh you know especially when you're talking to idiots a lot um, <laughs> so, uh,
0: it's
2: it's definitely a challenge not to just call one of them out so uh you know, that's probably the, the biggest props i give to you because i'm like you're you're an idiot, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, just keep it rolling so it's cool <laughs> yeah we're just a couple
1: podcasters and media guys it's all we are three of us we're just, yeah. just basically, the same, yeah, all basically the same yeah
3: yeah exactly. yeah 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 um, uh. well i can't uh i can't wait for the uh carmichael reed Ferry, whoever else you're going to get in the studio uh i can't wait man it's it's going to be interesting and it's really really it's a loose uh, uh format and i love it and ne- you never quite know where it's going to go so uh yeah yeah good, good job
2: yeah i know well, I mean, I appreciate that. I'm glad you said that. that's kind of how like I I wanted to be. So I guess it's it's a plan not it's a plan to be not planned uh, kind of uh, show. So uh, no, it's good. And I didn't want to like you know, you know, I talked to Ricky and, and Chad and like you know, Chad's been definitely all up into like wanting to do it, which is an honor. And everybody I've asked, like from Jay Bone to Davey, uh, even a couple other people. um you know they've been like yeah like no like no problem we'll do it i just wanted to be ready uh for those guys and i told chad I'm like look dude i need to get i need to get a few of these things in uh because like i think what we do is you know nobody's ever had that luxury of having us in a room and if you're that to have that opportunity i just don't want to like excuse my language but shit today a little bit um uh, and uh you know, i want to make sure we do it right so i need to get prepared and he was like you're fine you're fine I'm like, no, I need to get ready. So, uh, so we'll definitely get it in there. It's going to be fun to do it. And uh, I, got, I already got like 10 questions that I want to ask him, uh, like what his thoughts on what he was thinking. So it should be good. And the same goes for Ricky. So it should be fun.
3: Awesome. We're going to, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Steel City. I will get Let's start there. This is the perfect season, only the second guy to ever do it. You led 369 of 382 laps this season. Uh, remarkable. Yeah. 13 laps you didn't lead. Do you know which people or person led those other 13?
2: Michael Lessie.
3: Yeah, that's it. You're right. That's the only yeah, guy. Yep, yep,
2: yeah yep. Michael Lessie, and I can't even tell you what races he did it at. Like, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, no, I don't... I, he I, don't. Led,
2: I think he led like six of them at Freestone yep. um, because I fell. Um, he, actually, I fell, and I think he led like one, maybe one or two in the first moto Cause I fell. Um, and then the second moto, I don't know, it took me a while to get going. And uh, I think he ended up leading like uh, maybe four to six laps that second moto. Um, and I was just sitting back there, like thinking about Waffle House. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, he, he led that one. And then at, at that point, it just retracted my head. I don't think anybody led another race after freestone um, for the rest of the year. Uh,
3: well, I, first of all, after doing all this research, the first person I texted was Dirty Dog, Red Dog, and said, "You couldn't lead one lap, really," <laughs> and, and he just and he just put a shrugging emoji. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he just yeah. he, he had nothing. But I was I was disgusted that Red Dog couldn't lead a lap at any point.
2: Nah, nah, he Red Dog, like I knew, like in the beginning part of the race, like I had him. Like you yeah, know, he always he was like a trucker. Like he came on. Uh, he was like the original Diesel before Dungey came in there, uh, you know, he just kept coming and coming. And uh, so I knew in the beginning part, leading the lap wasn't his material, like in the beginning yeah, part. Yeah. And I, that was my jam. Like I would like to get <laughs> out 15 seconds, you know, 10 minutes into it, this crew. Yeah. Uh, but I, the problem was I made it a point for nobody to lead a lap. So like when I decided <laughs> to do that, like it was kind of oh. done. Uh, oh yeah, so
3: so this was a little insight. Yeah, so this was something that you were like, watch this, like not only am I going to win, I don't want anybody to lead.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and it really, it really kind of happened when uh, Mike uh, Alessi went out at Redbutt, mm-hmm. um, because he was the only person that like he was always a good starter and yep. uh, like if you have watched your recaps, like I, I call him the, uh, I call the the Prado. He's like the European version of Mike Alessi that like <laughs> he gets good starts and like, he's super fast in the beginning and you just got to like reel him back in there. But, um, unless he was like that, he got good starts and he was really fast in the beginning. So once he went out, I knew everybody else. I, I had him covered on speed. And then it was like, you know what? Like I want to try to pull every hole shot, but by the end of the first lap, no one's going to lead a lap for the rest <laughs> of this thing. And, uh, yeah, I had to do something that was separate me from Ricky. Cause like, like we all go 24 but I wanted to have something, and yeah. I think I got him. I got him
3: more on that side. I was going to bring this up later, but you led me into this with Alessi. And God bless Mike; he tried his heart out, and he was—he's a great rider. But he would talk about on the podium like, "Yeah, I got closer to James this moto," <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, James was eating a hot dog in the stands or waving to the crowd or like," and Mike was pushing. And again, like you know, props to Mike, but. He was using this gap of closing this gap on you as indicator that he's getting closer and all of us yeah. why are like, Yeah, Mike, oh. you're not getting closer, Mike <laughs>
0: Dude, yeah. he
1: would send the last lap so hard. He would send the last lap when you're doing whips so hard and get the gap yeah. to
2: like eighteen seconds and be like, I'll in
1: with eighteen Yeah. It's only a second of the lap Yeah. Yeah, and yeah.
2: and it's funny you say it, I see because like that's you know, when I in that season, like there was a lot of things like, you know, I had to keep focused in on and like um you know winning the races like I it kind of became like the one twenty five to me. Um like I'm like I I feel like like I'm going there's a ninety five percent chance I'm gonna win this race, like no matter what. And even if I got a dead last start, I felt like I had that much speed to come and I was obviously in shape. So when when Mike was when he said that, like I caught on to it, it was like the second and third race Mm -hmm. he said that and I was like, okay, well, then I, I need to stop that. Like, so by him saying that caused me oh. to be like, well, then I ain't let that happen. Then. Like, cause he was like, a, he, it was weird. Like some people, like he could be beat by a minute. God stops, you know, for 55 seconds. And then like, you know, pull in. Most people would be like, you know, I know he pulled over, but right. he had a good, what made him tough was like, he really believed that he was mm-hmm. only five seconds off. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's only gonna make my job harder. So I would started racing a partner all day. So, uh, yeah, so it's funny you
3: say that. Yeah, yeah. and look, hey, whatever you got to use to motivate yourself, Tony and Mike, I get it. None of us in the media was was really believing this, and we were like, yeah, okay, sure, you're closer. Yeah, yeah sure, Mike.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. he uh, believed
3: it. Yeah, no, he did. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, go ahead, Weege. Uh this this 08 season, you mentioned you wanted to get one up on Ricky. Like, did you think going into that year, like, this is, okay, 24-0 is pretty gnarly. I know what had happened before, but still, it's pretty gnarly. Did you actually have that in your mind of, like, or is this something you started thinking about as the season went on and you were maybe 6-0? Or did you come in thinking, hey,
2: maybe I could do this? No, no, I, I didn't I didn't go into the season thinking about 24-0. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I was just happy to make the season, because um, you remember that's when I came on, off that ACL, and, like, for whatever reason i never had like on the 450s i never had good luck on the outdoors so it it, like i knew ricky you know ricky was um you know retiring but like even when he wasn't there like i still struggled like in in 07 i actually ended up tearing my acl so i never had like a good feeling about outdoors so going into that year um you know i only wrote like a couple weeks before it wasn't that much so i didn't go into it but then I mean, the media and you guys were like at their first moto at Glen Helen. Ah, twenty-four now. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think coming out and winning the first moto and then uh, win, excuse me, winning the first round at a Hangtown. Uh, I mean, at Glen Helen uh, was like okay. And then the second, when I won Hangtown, I was like, you know what? Like maybe this might be possible. And then, um, and then, so I guess it was the second round. I started thinking. You
3: know what like if I stay up maybe uh maybe I could do this I mean, that's, so four no um you also we thinking yeah, go ahead you. you uh you change the game a number of ways in our sport, but you also change the game you don't probably realize this whenever we in the media talk about torn ACLs and you know lots of guys have done that you're always like, yeah dude, well, you know he'll be back for this time and he's not back up to strength yet uh you know his aCLs still bad or whatever and then. Inevitably, someone brings up, Stu went perfect season with four months on an ACL. So, I, I don't know. Like, you've also changed mm-hmm. the game for ACL recovery because <laughs> now everybody just goes, well, look at look at James. He just crushed everybody in four months. And if a rider doesn't come back in four months and crush it, we all just go, well, look what oh, – No, that's literally seen
2: yeah. right now. Yep. is in the same timeline, and we're like, how could he not show up for outdoors? <laughs> Stu did it.
3: Yep,
0: yep. Yeah, yep.
2: yeah, well – I appreciate it. Maybe Stu, was, uh, he wasn't thinking. But, like, at that, I don't know what it was. And I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm sorry, my fellow riders. I, hopefully, I didn't mean to change <laughs> that part. But, yeah, I, I think it's, to be honest with you, like, um, at that point, I just, i so let's go back. I tore my ACL in the end of 07 mm-hmm. um, for the outdoor, leading that title. And then I came back and then tore my ACL right before Supercross in 2008. And then going in, into the – you know the outdoors, and I said this in the podcast. I ended up tearing my ACL again, like mm-hmm. in there, um, in the middle part of this, this season, the uh, twenty four. No, so I didn't Wait, even what? make it. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh yeah, I didn't even make it through the, oh. the 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 full on. And if you don't believe, ask Kawasaki guys. When I got to when I skipped the practice at uh, Thunder Valley, uh, I skipped it because my knee I couldn't even walk. My knee was swollen up. It was I torn it, but it wasn't wasn't fully tear. I guess you would say it was partially torn, but it was hanging on a string and by the end of outdoors, it was torn. I I popped that thing out so many times. So it would have been like, um, for me, it was more like, I have to come back. Otherwise i basically missed three seasons, um, of like not racing, uh, the well championship. Mm-hmm. And then, so it, it was probably my mindset on like, look, I don't care. I'm coming back, but I was a hundred percent healthy going into that. And, um, you know, was even had a little bit of time to spare. I probably could have made it back in probably three, uh, about three months. Three months I would have been struggling because uh, I wouldn't have had, you know, that much riding. Actually, I wouldn't have been riding that much, but I, I probably could have made it back in three months. But by four, I was fine.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah, but they say if you come back too early, the chances of you re-tearing it, like you'll feel like it's good, but you can re-tear it. So is that potentially what happened here? Did you re-tear no. it because
2: you were back so early? You don't think so? No, because it was my other leg. Oh! Oh, uh, yeah, so, oh yeah, we That one, yeah. So no, oh. it, it wasn't that. You can, uh, like they say in now uh, the movie Heat, you, you're like man, I can get killed doing this. You can get killed walking your doggy, like, you know. <laughs> and so you can tear an know, getting off the airplane. So whatever yeah. it is. Uh, uh, no, I I didn't feel like, uh, you know, like that was the cause. But that is truth. I mean, it's truth to everything. I think it's just more, not that the, it's weak. I think it's more that your muscles and you just don't have that time to build to strength which mm-hmm. causes other things to hurt. Like usually when you start compensating, you know, if your your ankle hurts, then your your knee starts hurting, then your back starts hurting, like it's all a triple effect. So maybe on that sense, but yeah, was there
1: a gnarly uh was there a gnarly, you know, January, February March, say after the surgery? Was it like Rocky Balboa in the gym, like to try to get yourself ready for May. Like, was it super
2: gnarly your recovery and working with Elden all that stuff? No, no. I mean, it was it was business as usual. Um, the thing was is that I was on I was on a bicycle pretty quickly after my ACL, mm-hmm. um, like a spin bike, keeping that. Um, but from from my understanding and, and and previous, that's kind of what we did. You know, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but as at motocross, like you know you can only sit in the house so much so i don't it wasn't anything that i was like oh yeah this is what made me come back um it was just like it, it wasn't that much downtown afterwards maybe a couple of weeks and then we were doing something so by the time i started riding i had a pretty good strong uh, base as far as endurance wise just being fit now i need to just get back in motorcycle shape but um, I just cut out the sugar and donuts, sugar, water, and donuts. <laughs> and then uh, that came back pretty quickly. <laughs> and, uh, so the rotting rotting, and being in a rotting shape, I've always been okay with that. And uh, so that didn't take long at all.
3: Was there a moment – now we'll get to Cody Cooper at Unadilla in a second here. But because, as Ouija and I like to joke, that ride at Unadilla got him a JGR deal from your guy J-Bone. <laughs> Like, that one moto got him, you know, $100,000 the next year. Um, was was there a moment that, outside of Cooper, like, either uh, mechanical, and, and I don't think there was, like, something come loose on your bike. Uh, Williamson was a, uh, your mechanic, is a good guy, good mechanic. Uh, or an almost eight-shit moment where the streak could have ended at any point that you remember. Was there anything that came up where you were like, ooh, that was a close one?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh- I, it wasn't, it wasn't Rodders. Um, uh, I mean, even Unadilla as close as Cooper was, I was just afraid of that track at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so him being there, it actually probably helped me because it allowed me to like, just focus in on him. Um, but I wasn't like, it wasn't a, uh, it, it definitely wasn't Rodders besides, I mean, he was the closest one, him and dirty dog at one point at the end, they were probably the only ones that was in single digits of me uh a seconds wise at the end of the race, but I, I think Southwick. Southwick was the the first moto I had a pretty close one, but that was kind of the JS, like, you know, I'll brush it off right before the finish. I almost end up, but I kinda <laughs> did that, you know, once or twice a week before leading up. So that wasn't that but uh Southwick's second moto, there was a guy that was down after the um in a blind section in the middle part a little sweeper and he was down and Somehow, like, I jumped it and, like, I was going dead for the dude. Oh. And uh, I don't know, I moved and somehow went between him and the hay bale. That was the only moment of that season where I was like, it's over. Like, it's oh. over. I'm not just going to lose the streak, but I'm going to die. And, uh, <laughs> it, but I was able to get through it. And, uh, and that was pretty much it. So, wow. what about this race? You said you tore your ACL what? In practice at Thunder Valley or right before it? Something like that? Your other yeah, ACL? So, yeah, so I, I tore my ACL uh, the week during that week I don't know like a Tuesday or something and um, and like it was the third one so I knew exactly what it was um, and I was like ah. so I guess maybe at that point I I was like I ah, dude like, like and you know what I'm mean, honestly it was never thought not to race I'm thinking <laughs> how I was I, I never thought not to race um, and but it hurt it hurt I was just trying to figure out how I was gonna do it and whether I was going to wear knee braces. And I remember like getting uh knee braces and I took off the, uh, actual cup, the, 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 uh, the little face cup on there because my knee was so swollen to be able to do it. And I put those stops in there. So it only let me bend my knee at certain point, but I, I at no point I was not going to raise. Um, but I, I was, it was about trying to just figure out how to like manage it. So, um, but when I did practice, I was OK. Like, it was hurting, but it was OK. And then I, I won the first moto. And then since I didn't practice on uh, Friday, I think it was, or maybe it was Saturday at that point, whatever, I didn't practice and do the night thing. I remember that was the, actually that was the other time that Leslie won uh, led some laps, because I couldn't <laughs> see uh, at that night race. And so I was taking my time, didn't want to plant my knee out and hurt my knee. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he led a few laps. And then I said, no more.
0: Wow <laughs> Wow, toward a c l that week yeah. Yeah, I didn't, yeah I didn't
3: yeah i I really, so the Cody Cooper thing like i, I wasn't there i didn't I, I missed that one at Unadilla, I wasn't a mechanic anymore um that that you weren't worried that didn't stress you out because as I remember in my memory and again, I wasn't there, but I was listening on the announcers, I think they put the announcer's feed through the internet back then, it seemed like he was all over you were catching you, but no, not, not at all, this was not uh you you were not worried.
2: No, I, I, not just, I was worried. I mean, I was worried about everybody. Uh, you know, Burner worried me, Dirty Dog worried me. Like, I mean, that's just racer, whoever lined up in the gate. And I think what it was is that like, he was, he was the closest one to me at all that year at like in that far deep into the moto. And so I, I failed and then I got up and I think I lost my goggles. I had a mud over my hand. And then, so it's Unadilla for me (laughs) and James Stewart. Like I haven't, uh, like I haven't uh, finished the race or even made the race in, in three years. Right. So I think that and everybody kind of knew that and the fact that it was second motor it just had this gnarly uh thunderstorm and uh, I fell and then so I, I think that was part okay. of so he was close he was close to me. Yeah. Um but I pulled back out maybe uh you know mm. five, six, seven seconds at, at one point and then so he wasn't like it wasn't like a knockdown drag out yeah. to the finish but he was close to me at some point uh, after I got up and fell. And um, well, yeah, I actually remember like getting up and cutting his ass off real quick because I <laughs> didn't have the goggles. Uh, like, I'm like, I didn't want anybody to be in front. But to me, it was more like about Unadilla. I was like, oh, here it comes again. She's going to get me again. So I was more worried about that. Uh, and then Cooper just kind of kept my mind on him. But yeah, I wasn't wasn't too too worried if i just stayed
3: up well that that got him a contract at jgr so good job yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i'm yeah, all for it like i'm you know i'm trying to help everybody out that's what it took. i would have maybe done that a few more times
1: yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well i don't want to i don't want to you know you're an equal opportunity guy because uh the the race that you didn't race at indy oh four but I mean, handsome one uh he famously got like a million dollar deal with ktm because his agent just <laughs> told everybody he beat james stewart And they never bothered to look at, like, what beating actually means. Like, you didn't compete in that race. So (laughs) it's really nice for you to do that to guys. Help them out every once in a while. Yeah, you know what? Like,
2: you know, and I don't even charge. I don't even
0: charge. (laughs) Like,
2: it's like, just, you know what? This is my pay. like, giving you back, give back because you decided to compete. That's all i asked for, you know, so here's, here's a little
1: kickback for it. <laughs> you <laughs> lined up. You lined up. Hey, uh, uh, there's two sides of this. You've told this story many times about your a perfect season, but behind the scenes, it was not wonderful, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to hear, I've heard in your podcast you mentioned when Cowie first came out with a 450, it was not great. So where was the bike by 08, which would have been the third year of it because it came out in 06? Uh, was the bike pretty good, at least, at that
2: point? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was pretty good. Like, good enough to where, like, I knew what it was going to do at that point. I think it was the same bike as 2007. Um, mm-hmm. And it got, it got like a little bit better. And actually, having uh, Timmy on the team, he was a good tester. So, um, since I wasn't racing, like, he did some groundwork on that thing. And even though our setups were different, he was able to, like, you know, go through some of the parts and stuff and at least get those guys in a good base. Um, and then I came in and said, no, nope, I want to, Ten times stiffer, lower gear, <laughs> like all that. Uh, but you know, he had a baseline, so I, I Timmy did help um, on that on that side of things because he was good at testing, and um, I actually brought him over to L and M at um, at one point when we were there yeah. uh, to, to help that. Him and Sergio got along. So uh, by 08, I think it was just more like I was I, I knew I gave up, and that was the one season um by that time I started racing outdoors, like I knew I was going super only. So I was determined to like, not be like finish that part off in my career because it was the only title I didn't have. Um, so I think a part of that being determined and then like having um, Eldon and just at that point, like it was just all like moving forward, but mainly it was just like, I wanted to win an outdoor title. And then, um, so I was pretty determined to do that. And, like I know people always smirk at this, but like I I mean this on everything. Like Ricky, Ricky would have had a like Ricky would have had a hard time beating me that year, uh, because it was like the third year getting into it, just like the Supercross, and like I was I was ready, and and there was Elden help, but I think just overall, I just where I was in the bike in the mindset, and maybe that's kind of hard to say, but I. I would have I gave it to him. I
3: would have gave it to him. Well, <laughs> Ricky, Ricky came on, you know, Pulp Show 500, and, you know, we talked about that 07 year, and he said, you know, what, what Stu was doing, where he was going to go, I, I didn't want to go there anymore. I didn't want to do that anymore. And I think he kind of means, like, the progression and the desire that you had to win, he was, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to go to that level. So he, in a way, like, who knows? It's the ultimate bench racing question. But I think Ricky realizes that a little bit too. Like, I don't want to go this fast with this guy because yeah. cause this guy will do anything to, be, to beat me, you know? Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, no. And that's, that's cool of him to say. And hopefully I don't come off like cocky like with that. I mean, it's, it is kind of hard to say because I would have never teamed up with Eldon yeah. and uh, cause he was still been racing. And I just think like me being where like, the, like you said, the progression, I was going, it was, it was, I was on my way. And I think also like what made that 07 championship racing him so difficult was that like, I knew he wasn't racing the whole time. So there was only a few races that like, I'm like, all right, forget it. Screw the championship. I'm about to race him. And every time I did that, I was able like, to like race him. Otherwise it was like, all right, dude, like it's Southwick's second moto, you know, he's strong. Like you know, I just finished this thing off or some of these second motos. And then the last race, um, you know, well, I didn't think it was going to be last race. I raced them, but at uh red, but I was determined to beat them that race and I had them and then you I had hit it that you had, had it. it. I <laughs> broke them and I uh, broke them. I was like, yep, that's mine. So it was only two laps left. And I fell over in the damn corner hitting uh, hit my front brake yeah, hit- in a big old hay bell. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it was definitely hard to like pull out, uh, do that. Cause the last time I did race Ricky that way, I ended up waking up in the hospital at, um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or in 2006 at a uh, high point was like the last time I had, a, I felt like I broke him and then, um, you know, so it was, it was that rate. So yeah, nonetheless, that was cool for him to say that. Yeah. And I, I do feel that way, but you know, it's, could have wouldn't should have so yeah
1: you know the math is on your side it really does generally take the third year and it would have been the third year for you i mean we're seeing it even with chase sexton right now right he's he's writing a lot of the wrongs it takes a while i think the problem for you and you've dealt with this your whole career unfortunately it's a blessing and a curse like we don't apply the normal rules to you like you it's like ah oh, the first day he gets in any class any bike any time winning should be expected we don't hold you to the normal standard of like that oh, takes two or three years to figure it out, but
2: that's yeah. kind of where we were at with this. It took two or three years, and then you were about to get it dialed. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that, and I can't blame you guys for doing that, because I was also saying that's what it was. <laughs> I was also saying,
0: Look, you know, it's all about late, January 8th. Like, <laughs> yeah, January 8th, and die trying, yeah. you know? Like, and, yeah. then, then that January 8th doesn't go
2: well, then the next year, like, well, it's all about January 9th, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, then the 10th, yeah, no, no, but no, I think it was um, – yeah, like I always kind of believed that, and 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 it wasn't, you know, we all was equal efforts in that because I I didn't lose a lot even through my amateur career, and then um, you know, I think the one thing, you know, going into this, it, I never it was never a lack of speed even when I raced outdoors uh, against Ricky, it was never like I was slow. It was just about like uh, figuring it out. So to me, you're right, Jason. Like it does, it, it's something about you know the that it it takes three years because the first year you go in and you're probably fast might win a race but you crash a lot um and you don't really know how to manage it then the second year you come in and then you're just you're more you get more like top fives uh but then you still have those one or two races or you crash uh and then the third year you you kind of start clicking it in so it 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 does um it does it does make a difference on on the third year so even if a guy doesn't you don't visually see a speed difference like you could see a uh A guy's getting more like second places, third places, usually in the third year. That's when the the guy, you start seeing that progression. And then you start noticing like, okay, maybe he can finish this thing Um, because by that time they've already won. Uh, It's just about finishing, fighting for those uh, top three and top fives um, where before you you just didn't because you were just trying to win.
3: Um, by the uh, way, uh, Leah, re-raceables uh, brought to you by Scott Pro Taper Maxis, Guts Racing as well, uh, all on board with us. James Stewart here talking 2008 Steel City and uh, and the perfect season. Uh, also, uh, James, just an, as an aside, you telling you saying a uh, Red Dog and Sergio testing for you at the L and M Yamaha team. Also, another funny Red Dog story. Hey Timmy, how's uh, how's it going testing for James, dude? I can't do the jumps. I don't want to do these jumps. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I, I can't i can not do these jumps. I'm just a oh, great test rider. Great test rider right there. Uh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: I, I think, like, he definitely, I remember those. I actually remember, like, having a uh, conversation with Sergio. I'm like, so how was it? Like, I think it would be better if we were doing Alford. I think it would be better <laughs> if we were doing that. You know, you struggling with the jumps. And uh, my mind's like, well, fine, but, you know, to Timmy's credit, I think it was more like we were always struggling uh, yeah. that year because that was the new Yamaha. So yep. we, we needed everybody. We was gonna bring back Brashaw if he was around. Like <laughs> that's help. We he, need help. So <laughs> he,
3: he did not enjoy the Stewart compound. He did not enjoy the compound at all. It was <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I didn't enjoy it that much either, but yeah, he was uh it was cool. He was he was definitely good at what he did and uh but him retiring definitely some of those jumps got real big real yeah quick for yeah um, it's and, uh but
3: it was... it's crazy Weech, how at steel city stew past timmy last lap last corner both motos the way i remember it it's crazy <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. I had about the ropes. yeah yeah Yeah, and you were
2: still a mechanic that right? <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. was still his mechanic yeah. too uh yeah. that's that's oh. the way i remember it closest guy to, to to beating the streak but maybe i'm maybe i'm off Maybe I'm getting
1: old. Ugh. Steve still says that Teddy won the 07 title when he got hurt. He yeah. still yep. maintains that to this day. Yeah, I don't
3: remember what happened uh, after Washugo. I blacked out.
2: Yeah, yeah I, dude, I remember what happened. Like, I was, yeah, you did talk to your boy. But, yeah, I thought for sure, like, you know, it's kind of the same thing with um, Mike Brown. Like, in that 2003, like, it was like the race I came back, like, he was battling with Langston and, and all those guys. But then when I came back, it was like he fell apart. Um, and the same thing with Timmy. Timmy was beating those guys, but yep. granted, uh, Langston, Langston did step up. I mean, he did step they up. They all did. Cents. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. 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 Even
2: uh, you know, Smiley Face Assassin, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. He's no. ready to take somebody out. Just thinking about it. So. Uh, yeah. But it, um, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, Timmy. They all. They all stepped up. So maybe it wasn't necessarily Timmy. Maybe it's just everybody else stepping up, and they had an opportunity. So. Um, yeah.
3: Go ahead. Timmy
2: told you that, didn't he, Steve? Timmy told you that.
3: Yeah, he says that, dude, I felt like going the same speed. I just felt like those other guys were going faster. Although Jeff Alessi, he swears to this day that Jeff tackled him in the first turn at Steel City. That knocked him down, which we all kind of sort of believe. We could actually see that happening. But, no, he says that, yeah, dude, I felt exactly the same. And those other guys, once James went out. Like, they all just, you know, there's blood in the water, right? And they were just going for it. And, uh, yeah, oh, well, what sure. are you going yeah. to do? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, I never I never even thought about that until we just brought it up right now. Yeah. But, yeah, I could, I could see. I know Langston stepped up because at some points he was racing, and it was like, oh, he's still here. Um, and then all yeah. of a sudden I went out. But he's also won a title before, so yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. like he he, he knew. Um, but I think it was a little bit of a combination of both. Uh, who's saying oh uh, yeah
1: it's, it's my kid who knows maybe he, yeah. he's probably very excited that james stewart's on the phone <laughs> <laughs> very okay, excited. He knows.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah
1: very excited um hey my last thing about this season was and you've told us many times you, okay you're 24 oh, which sounds great but behind the scenes you've not painted a beautiful picture about what it was like to go back to that truck and work with your team at this point
3: well hold yeah. on let me let me jump in because i sorry i'll interrupt you i want to br- yeah. i have this story to tell like so I was around the truck that summer a lot with Red Dog, right, hanging out. I wasn't full media guy yet, so I don't. I think people kind of just trusted me to be in the truck. And I can remember two times being inside the truck before anybody got back to the, you know, I was close to the truck or watching. I was in there with you, James. You'd come back in after winning, of course. You'd put your helmet down. you come in. You know, we'd say hi or whatever, and you'd just, like, kind of go up to your locker. Like, you know, you knew you were done. I think Cowie knew you. It was uh, a very odd reception late in the summer that year uh, of a guy crushing everybody, every moto. Nobody was that happy, including yourself. Like we all kind of knew what was going on and it was an odd thing. And I, and I can remember being in the truck twice where you were just like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't really, I'm not in, I'm not stoked to be here uh, despite you winning.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, it was, it- uh, brutally honest it was it was one person it was mike fisher yeah um, it, it was mike fisher and um i i think it was to, for me like it was hard because i i liked it all the guys and i think we talked about it in the podcast with jeremy that the the separation of of how the team got separated when you know williamson was working for red dog and just certain things like big b and all that uh but then like when uh Jabo went away i was working with williamson that year so everybody was pretty cool like it was kind of mike was been there one of the longest and everybody was cool you know with rick and all those guys but fisher like him and, and him and timmy got really close like they were uh, you know friends whatever and that's fine i don't care and um but like he just made it he made it difficult the way you know i, I when i signed my deal with l and m like i i already knew they were letting me go um you know, and how I found out about that like sucked. Uh, you know, um, you know, they signed billow, then I found out and then so it wasn't that like I, I didn't want to be there. I felt that I wasn't wanted there. And then so being young and not really knowing how to like figure that part out. I think now at my age, I would I would make it work. I would just make those guys like me. We just enjoy it. But back then it was like, Well, I mean, screw you guys, like and it wasn't it wasn't directed towards anybody except for Mike Fisher, but when he runs the team and everybody follows his lead, mm-hmm. then he's then it's kind of like you start thinking everybody else looks like that. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't it wasn't the guys because I actually when I went over to when I moved to L and tried to get Williamson to come with me, and I was close, really close to having him. And the same thing with Sergio and a couple guys. Um, but you know, Brooks was like, "This is our team. We just won the championship. We're gonna keep it." And I'm like, "All right, fine." Um, so it wasn't the team guys, but it was Mike Fisher Mm -hmm. and I definitely didn't, um, by that end of that season, Timmy was the second guy. And I I knew that, especially at steel city, I thought part of the reason, uh, Timmy wrote well was because if he would have won, then Kawasaki went 24, zero, and like not me. And that would have been the best thing for Kawasaki and Mike Fisher, Mike Fisher would love that. So I was like, damn, that's why Timmy's riding pretty good. Uh, cause he, <laughs> he was going to be on that team next year, but it was, it was just directed towards one mm-hmm. person. And, um, it, I, I, I felt like I wasn't wanted there. And, um, so, uh, instead of me banding, uh, you know, banding that bridge, yep. I was just like, all right, if you don't want me here, I don't want to be here, but I'm going to win all these damn races and, um, and we're just going to walk away. So it sucked. it definitely sucked.
3: Yeah. I, I think and look, I look, I, I got along with Mike. He, he bled green. He was there since the mid eighties late eighties, but he was a different guy, man. He was a different dude. There's no doubt. Uh, I had many conversations with him where I was like, what, huh? Um, you know, and and yeah, I've, I've offered to him to come on a podcast of mine to talk about it. He just won't do it. I think he's, you know, he got let go uh, under a little bit of weird circumstances. And I think that whole thing soured him. And I think one of the reasons they may have let him go was the deterioration of a relationship with you. And how bad it yeah. was, you know. I'm, I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that was something where they were like, look, this guy and James couldn't do it, and now this guy and these other people aren't getting along, and he was out after, you know, a 30-year career at Kawasaki. So, you know, hey, uh, I'd still talk to Mike if I saw him, but, th- yeah, I, I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, so.
2: Yeah. So. I think after, like, at certain points, like, I think people kind of uh, found out the truth. Because I think when Kawasaki heard that I didn't, like I wouldn't even offered, it. And, and I wanted to stay there. I don't, I think Fisher was like saying I didn't want, and I think he was pushing me out. So when Kawasaki kind of found that out later on, they were like, huh? And then the whole Villa photo thing. And then I think you after one person, two people, you just kind of start seeing a pattern. So I don't really know why he was let go, but mm. I understand why, um, uh, you know, if, if it is something relationships, then I could see how that went. Um, but it was definitely it was just a it was a tough time, and you just think like after all the years I've been at Kawasaki and all the yep. people, and, and uh, just to go out that way and you just like come back and have this amazing season, and and it was like this sucked. I couldn't wait <laughs> to get away from that. Um, and then like with Kawasaki now, like I mean, I still talk to Bruce, and and um, you know I got a great relationship with him uh, now, and so it, you can definitely go back. Um, and be like, no, there was just one person, but unfortunately, that one person was in power, and um, you know, at that time, like I, I didn't, I didn't know it until It was too late, but you know, he yeah. was saying one thing, and uh, and then telling me another. So, and it, it was, um,
3: yeah, definitely was a bizarre way to go. Twenty four and zero, and just you know, be the second rider in motocross history to do that, and lead everything but thirteen laps. And yeah, the mood around the truck, not not exactly celebratory, you know. So yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Did they give you like a send off? Like, okay, you've been with Cowie forever. There was a photo circulating that even when Carmichael left for Honda, Cowie did do like a team photo this last day, I guess of Steel City. Did you even do that?
2: Yeah, I I actually did, but like I don't know what Ricky's would like, but I thought I remember it like, really guys? Like it was the one of the cheesiest things like I've ever liked. <laughs> it was like a, a Publix cookie or something. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and I, and it, it, it just felt even more disrespectful on there. Uh, but, you know, I, you know I, I, I'm grateful to get it. But I just remember like getting that. And I'm like, really? Like after all this time, like this on there? And um, and then I didn't hear from anybody from uh, the Japanese, nobody from Kawasaki, and at that point, I actually had a good relationship with the president of Kawasaki. Um, yeah, I used to talk to his assistant, go in his office, and hang out. Um, so, like, to find out, like, you know, to, when I left, to not hear from anybody, and then to find out why uh, they were, like I said, they thought I didn't want to be there, and then so, um, you know, I can see why they're like, screw him. And then, it, it, but that's it. Doesn't that sound like every industry issue, like ever? Like he say, she say, and then like nobody yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. ever just have a conversation between the two people. It wouldn't be that way, but you know what? You
0: can't have it. Yeah, like
3: and it all gets worked out, right? Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You're right. Yeah,
0: Mm-mm.
1: yeah, yeah. I want to rub it in, though. But last year at the final race, Kelly made this gigantic plaque for Eli with like a gold plate for every race win, and then they called us over and they're like, "Hey, Eli's won." 63 races with us that's more than double any other rider even guys in europe we've had a fantastic relationship it's great and i said to bruce i'm like wow that's really cool that you're doing that And he's like well why wouldn't we we've had a great
2: run together we've won races for six years and i'm like okay so there yeah. you go there you yeah. go <laughs> yeah no you're, you're right i actually now that you say that i remember they did give me like number one plates um on there of like my championships or something and it was just so like ticky tacky uh, Yeah the way yeah. they were so it, it definitely was but you know i no know thing it, was high end they they yeah. were
1: it's a little different i think
2: yeah i mean there was, yeah. There was a lot of but i got i mean i got gold watches i mean people were giving bentley's way back in the day you know <laughs> so when i got that i'm like really <laughs> like damn like all right you know so but no again i me and bruce were good like and and i i got nothing to respect even mike fisher like dude like you know as much as the thing suck whatever i don't got time to be mad at anybody anymore i it's something that like it, it makes me feel good knowing that i wasn't the only one um but things happen for a reason and like i still think he's still flying off that berm as he was like when he crashed back when he raced he <laughs> in, like, San Diego. And, and, um, <laughs> but he's all right you know it is what it is so, yeah.
3: yeah where does um That's pretty good you remember that one yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, <laughs> that is that yeah. is pretty good <laughs> um where does the perfect season rank for you I mean all these championships you've done and all these epic races and and stuff and god yeah like i mean where do you start with with your career but where does the perfect season sit with you and and your your thoughts about you know damn I was good like where where does it rank for you
2: I, I, um I mean, it is high i mean i i won't i i couldn't because i didn't i didn't um Just because I didn't enjoy it, like, I don't, it doesn't take away from what I did. Mm -hmm. And I I almost feel like sometimes doing it, being the second person, you can look at it two ways. Like, it's been done before, like, and uh, so it's possible. And just being, like, who I was after the first race, it was saying. So there was a lot of pressure, like, for me, I felt like to do it. And even with Ricky being the first time, I don't think anybody ever thought he was going to do it until he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so knowing it's possible, like there's two different ways you can look at it. But I I thought like for me, handling the pressure, coming off of being off an injury and, um, you know, it's it's up there. Like it's up there. And it was my first and only outdoor title on the 450. Uh, to say if it it's number one or number two, that's that's kind of hard. Like I think sure. I look back yeah. at all uh, and appreciate I would, um, but I, it was, it's definitely my top three. And it, it's something that in my career, like to be able to do that, it is, uh, it is something I cherish because I do know how hard it was, even though I only didn't leave, but 13 laps just mentally. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was a grinding, uh, a grinding season and, and then dealing with the team stuff. Uh, but I would say probably my number one would be the next year in 2009, winning that title with mm-hmm. Reed and supercross was probably the ultimate, um, for me, just when I went through that year.
1: Yeah,
3: mm. yeah, the bike and and, and, and everything, right? Um, yeah, comeback. yeah, come back. Be down. Yep.
1: Twenty five points right off the rip and whatnot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yep. Winning seven races just to get tied, but somebody sucks.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I, it's funny though. Again, that's that double standard we have. I think with us, it's just like, well, if he just wins seven in a row, we'll be right there. And with you, with a couple of guys. We take it for granted that seven in a row is, like, stewable, so to speak. Uh, but for you, I'm sure it wasn't quite as easy as, well, oh, I just went seven in a row, let's do the math. Yeah, it's not
3: quite yeah. that easy. Yeah, you, you were yeah. Ju- you were judged in a different prism for sure. And, and you know, some yeah. of it's because, like you said, James, that you brought on yourself. But fans and media are like, well, yeah, just went seven in a row, bro. You're James Stewart. So, like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: mean, no, you know. and, and, and honestly, like, that's okay. Like, I mean, it just may be different. And as much as I hated it. Like that, it never, I will say this, the media, like it, it didn't change. It didn't change me. Like if I was going to crash or I was going to do something, I was going to do it anyway on there. And so like, I I didn't even the double standards as much as like, I'm like, maybe I didn't sleep at night and it bothered me. It didn't like really affect me um, like too much as far as my whole career and outlook. So I, I actually think it was, it's a good thing that like I was held at that standard, even though like, it's hard to like deal with that and understand that when you're going through it. And then I started at the end of my career, but at that time I was, I was just happy to be back winning. It wasn't that kind of standard, but yeah, I remember in that year um, in 2009, I remember talking um, the, I think it was Keith McCarty uh, close to Vegas. He was like, Hey, we need you to win another race. You need to get to 11 wins. Otherwise, your bonus thing doesn't kick in. And we're going to have to pay all of this. So if you <laughs> want to talk about, like, the winning and, like, expectation, there you go right there. Like, my Lloyd's of London policy. Yeah. Like, ah, you know, it's going to cost you X amount, and he's got to win 11 races, you know, out of 16 or 17 to, for this thing to kick in. So, um, well,
0: yeah, but that so, was all right.
3: Yeah, talk about Lloyd's of London, too. I was at Chad's around this time. Well, might have been the year. <laughs> Might have been oh eight. I don't remember. And Chad's Lloyd's of London policy was based on you, based on him making yeah. half the series and and Indian. you racing a certain number of races. Like yeah, Lloyd's yeah. of London is like, we don't care about anybody else. We don't care yeah. what did, <laughs> what happened to James this year. And if he if he's races X number of races, we'll pay you. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it, it was. I mean, it it's definitely a different age and time. But yeah, I mean you only have me, Ricky and Chad that was really the guys that like competed and it was um, you know, I didn't have that in there like with you know, with chat, but I do remember that and it, it's it's true. It probably is true. Um, because there's a lot of little stipulations like oh, you gotta do this. Yeah. Same thing that goes with heat races. Like I mean, I had a heat race bonus thing and, and at at one point they knew their there was a good chance they were going to be paying that thing out. So um, they, but it was, it's all good. <laughs> uh,
3: weed, do you think James would have done it in 03, 125 motocross? Had he not been hurt in uh, Vegas? Uh, another perfect season? I, I, I tend to think so. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, well, it was
2: imperfectly perfect. You, yeah. you did win all the ones you were in. Yep. I'll
0: give
3: yeah.
2: That. I, I would have. I'll answer that for you. Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I would have. I would, yeah. It would have been easier than '04. 4 i uh, will tell you that much. Like, the way I was coming in, uh, the way I was riding that year, uh, I would have.
0: I would have. Yeah. Yeah, I it mean, it.
2: showed even coming from last place didn't stop me. No, that no. only <laughs> took me like eight laps to get that done. Uh, so uh, that's the one thing people do forget about that race in uh, 2003, is that it only took me eight laps to come from 40th to 1st. I
3: um, didn't and, know that. And, uh, no, I didn't realize yeah, that.
2: Geez. Jeez. Yeah, it was eight Jeez. laps. And I remember setting the fastest lap time on both classes that day. I was, I was on it. So, yeah, eight laps. It wasn't close. It, it wasn't close. <laughs> Even though TV only had eight minutes of racing, yeah, it took me eight laps.
3: Uh, I think Sellers yeah. was Sellards was leading, I believe. I think Brock was Tedesco. leading. Oh, Tedesco, yeah. And you, you came up on him like he was a lapper. And he probably was like, yeah. what, what just happened? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, Tedesco was leading, Sellers was in second, Langston was in third, battling some oh. Ghana Suzuki or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I came through them all pretty fast.
1: <laughs> uh, we always got to be careful because GL's my guy, did TV with him forever. We always tell Fair? the sad story, right? He won the title in 07, he never got a chance to race with the number one plate in 08, and then I have to just stop the story there because we don't want to be like, ah, oh, who knows, maybe you dominate 08. <laughs> But then the other yeah. guy had a perfect season, so I don't want to take it away from you. I don't want to take it away from him. We just—I'm just, just yeah. going to leave it. At, we'll never know. I'm just going to leave yeah. it. Going to leave it there. <laughs> Does Grant say
2: that, or that's what you say?
1: I just say, hey, I, I, it's like I can only go so far when I'm telling a story. Like, yeah, poor Grant, like he won the title, and he never got a chance to defend it, and I'm like, I'm not saying any more than that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. I'm not speculating. Yeah, I like, I like, I like GL and stuff. That's why I was asking. I'm. I wonder, does he say that on there? Because you know, he knew. I was, I was on a different. He knew. I ain't gonna say nothing. We could just. Leave it at that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, <laughs> title, title's one thing. Twenty-four
1: and zero. I, I would like to think he'd be like, maybe I could have won a bodo you know yeah, I, mean? yeah. uh, I so I'm not gonna even. I'm not even going there. I'm I'm not even going
3: there. I, I wanted Red Dog He's to lead. Clean. I want Red Dog yeah. to lead one lap. He can't even lead a lap this year. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah, believe yeah, it. They only had three hundred and sixty-nine of uh,
2: them opportunities. Well, to- <laughs> he was a. Uh, I
3: that's want. That's by the way, 30. he was a. He did finish second. A scant a hundred and eighty points behind you. So just, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I mean, I think it was, I mean,
3: he dominated.
2: You know, who has <laughs> some real good that year was, uh, uh, the 60
0: Brock Hepler.
3: Oh, uh, Hepler. Brock Hepler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hamburger. Yep. Yeah. He, hamburger, he
0: hamburger. Whenever yeah.
3: he, <laughs> he had his days, right. He had his moments where, where yeah. he was good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
2: For sure. He was. And I was actually pumped. He didn't race uh, that mud race. Cause he would have been the threat for sure um and then cody cooper was born but um yeah yeah hamburger was good but i knew at that point uh, we were going to be teammates so i started mooching him up already so he went in there.
3: uh well uh i'm done here we anything else for for stew
2: no, it's a
1: hilarious, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, really, really appreciate the time, James. 2008 Steel City and 2008 Perfect Season, of course, on the Liat Uh Again, everybody, check out your pod. You're going to cover some of your other races, too, which is going to be great. That's coming up uh, on, your, on your pod, too, as well. So, people, stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, looking forward to all of it. So, keep it up. Thanks, James. Good stuff from uh, Stu there, Weege. Fantastic. A couple things uh, come to mind for me. I always thought it was kind of gnarly that he came back from his ACL to be ready for Glenn Helen. But no. No, the actual the, 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 the torn ACL and the surgery, he says he was pretty good to go by Glenn Helen.
1: Uh, yeah, he said he could have ridden in three months, and then I've heard that before. Yeah. I'm dealing with an ACL myself, and everybody says by about three months you feel like you're 100% but you can very, very, very easily re-tear it, so that doesn't actually mean you're good to go. Uh, And that was what led me to think, oh, yeah, see, he thought he was good and he wasn't. But no, he apparently tore the other ACL. Who knew?
3: Yeah, I never knew this. No problem. No, no. Not even a threat. No. So basically from Lakewood on, crushing dudes with the other ACL torn.
1: Yeah, and again, it goes back to what I said before. We got James on the line. Like, there should have been so much drama here, but we didn't even know. Like, I, I can't remember the races sticking out. Like, oh, remember for a few weeks he was struggling, and yeah. then he started. No, it was the same every week anyway.
3: Yeah. That that is also so, James. To mention that uh, you know he noticed Mike, unless yes. he's talking about being closer to him, and he was like, oh yes. yeah, okay, it's gonna make it. It's gonna make it harder, but now I got to do this. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. There was yeah. a special. I don't know if the word is rivalry, but it's, I, I believe there was a different relationship between Stu and uh, Mike.
3: You, um, well, you know, what's that? you know what comes to mind when you think about that.
1: Oh, what's this?
3: The past his prime Stu Muddy Creek riding Suzuki. Mike gets him in the moto, oh. and he just goes, "No, you could see, James. Oh, yes, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like I'm not on my game." But that dude's not beating me? And do you remember the massive scrub he pulled? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: I didn't know where you were going, but oh, I know exactly where you were going. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, scrub from hell. <laughs> like, you are never passing me. <laughs> yes.
3: So, like, that one stuck out of my mind where I was like, oh, that one's a little extra. Like, he is not. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a couple. I remember, uh, I think, Indy Supercross uh, back in, like, '09 or something. Like, you know, Mike had customary good start. And, like, James... Got him, and then Mike tried to get him back, and same thing. Like, unbelievably nasty pass. Uh, not dirty pass, but, like, I yeah. think he cut under a berm, like, unreal. And I feel like what it was was, look, we never ended up getting, like, epic championship Mike Alessi-James Stewart battles, but Alessi was the next guy on the rise after Stu. So I think younger James, younger Mike, you know, Mike was like, oh, I'm going to have to challenge James Stewart someday. And I think so James was just programmed to be like – I'm gonna make sure one thing will never happen. This mm-hmm. dude is never gonna beat me. And then after Mike wasn't even necessarily a threat, it's like James still hung on to that. Well, this that is feeling.
3: this is the year before, or, or not the year before. This is when Mike turned pro. James pointed him at a starting line or something. What was this, What was the story behind that?
1: Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, we should say that for another episode of the show. Is okay. Loretta's, It just couldn't have worked out better. Mike had already dropped, Believe the hype, and said, you know, he wanted to lead Carmichael for some laps in the. Uh, Oh, no. Uh, he said he was going to enter the 125 class when he turned pro because everyone was just giving James Stewart the moto wins and they weren't fighting him for it. Um, okay. All right. Because that's what that was the difference. If they just would have fought, they could have beat him. You yeah. Know,
3: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right. Like Tom Brady, just the, the, Tom Brady, just, you know, just is, he doesn't have more skill than anybody he just wants it more.
1: No. The three or four seconds of lap they could just make up for that if they just fought him. Uh, so then I think the Alessis realized they had bit off a little more. They could chew talking trash on James. So then they switched to we're going to race the 450 class. But then he still stepped in it and said the goal is to hole shot and lead a lap. I don't think Carmichael wanted to hear that from that class. Um, <laughs> just... So they had everybody pissed. And then as luck would have it, I mean, it's just pure luck. Back at Loretta's, you know, you'd have the top dude come out and ride next year's bike uh, for the manufacturer. So they had James already scheduled to ride a KX250, which the world had never seen him ride a big bike yet in person. And the first time we're going to see it, and what moto happens to be up next after intermission, (laughs) this is not planned, was one of Alessi's motos. So the world is like, oh, my God, we're going to watch James Stewart. Ride a 250, he's going to do quads, and he did. It was amazing. He's jumping all this crazy stuff. And then he keeps riding over to the starting gate. And then, lo and behold, Alessi eventually shows up to start packing his gate. And James is pointing and waving, like, come on out. Let's see what you got. I'm going to jump this quad.
3: <laughs> I'm Can on a bone, I'm on a bone stock production. Bone stock, Right. But I'm going to still be, you. you're right. on your 450. Yep.
1: You will not. Obviously, unless he couldn't, he yes. wasn't allowed because right. right. he was going to race a moto. But if it yeah, was, it was like from that day forward, it was like, I'm going to disrespect this dude.
3: If it was a movie of the week, Mike would have jumped the gate. If it was WWE, yes. <laughs> you know, that, that's how it would have played out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Super cross the movie. He's jumping the gate.
3: Uh, also something from that interview, uh, he knew Ricky didn't lead that many laps in the season of 369 of 382.
1: Impressive. You know? Impressive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just He uh, did know.
3: He knew that. Um, My mind is blown
1: over the fact that, so, so Steve, Alessi was the only rider that led laps besides him?
3: Yes. 13 laps for Mike Alessi. Yeah.
1: And Alessi goes out. And by the way, that crash at Redbud for Alessi was freaking oh. <laughs> brutal. Oh,
3: dude. Oh. Oh. I, I do like, uh, I think it was Ricky Renner or Robbie Renner. It was all over. Mike had been run over by everybody. But then, then, like a cartoon, three seconds later, Renner gets him one more time. Uh, It's it's phenomenal.
1: Just landing on his lifeless. We can only laugh because eventually Mike came back.
3: He's fine, yeah.
1: He he, he was not permanently damaged. Well, I'm sure it hurts in the morning, but... Oh my God! Brutal. Just yeah, he landed on it. Redbud. Look yeah. that one up on YouTube, folks. Uh, yeah, like uh, I said, I texted
3: Red Dog. I said I can't. You know, couldn't believe you can't lead a lap. You know, and yeah, he didn't have yeah. one for me. Uh,
1: but what I'm getting at here is Steve. Unless he's out of the series at Redbud, so that means no one else led a lap for the rest of the year at the halfway point. I,
3: <laughs> I mean, I I guess we were yelling about the racing being boring. I don't remember that. I don't know if we had wrap up pods. I'm sure we just no. We didn't get. We didn't.
1: No, I think that started 11, maybe 10. Okay. Sorry. Yeah.
3: So I was going to say, if we had wrap-up pause, we just would have moved on. Like, yeah, hey, Stuart won. All right. So let's talk about third or battle. You know what I'm – I don't remember what we would We done. Just what would we
1: have done in these perfect season days. Good Lord.
3: Yeah. But, yep. uh, yeah, good stuff from James. Thanks to uh, yep. for Stu for doing that. Really appreciate it. Uh, good stuff, uh, 2008. Now, we didn't really focus on Steel City. More of the season going undefeated and the pressures and – you know, uh, and Mike Fisher and Kawasaki. And, you know, it, like I said in the pod thing, I was there, man. It was a weird vibe. It was a weird vibe. So uh, I'm I'm glad that James kind of noticed that. One thing we didn't touch on, though, when we should have, Weege, j- bad journalism on our part, <clears throat> we know we had the Red Bull deal. He had to give it up for that year, right, because it was a monster deal. And that is what really drove him to leave, from what I understand. James didn't really touch on that. We should have asked him, like, well, how much was the energy drink stuff had to do with it, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. Although I still hold that one up, Um, you know, in the end, you know, he he, I'll go yes and no on that. You're probably right. That was probably a big part of the fractured relationship. But I remember when James pulled out of Supercross at the beginning of that year with the torn ACL. A lot of people are like, he's not even hurt. He's just faking it. He's doing this for Red Bull. He won't ride for Kawasaki because of the monster deal. And I loved, you know, how I love the crush conspiracy theories. Yeah, I could not have been happier to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll just never yeah. ride on a Monster yeah, Energy Kawasaki. Yeah. Like, never. Yeah, never. He only came back and went 24-0 and on the Monster Energy Kawasaki with the Monster logo on his bike. Yeah, he'll never. Yeah, he was faking that ACL just to get out of riding for the team. I was so pumped when he actually came back and did ride for them.
3: Of course, I that, happy. Yeah, none of those people come back and be like, oh, I was wrong.
1: No, 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 you'd never hear hear that theory again. Yeah, he he faked the ACL. He was never hurt. He just was going to take the whole year off. Uh, Yeah. No, actually, uh, he just came back and won races for them. Uh, And by the way, I hold this series up, you know, when there were the stories last year of Kai was pulling the good parts from Eli Tomac's bike because he was leaving the team. And this is a much worse relationship. You know, Stu and Cowie at this point are a much worse place than Tomac and Cowie were last year. And the bike was fine.
3: So uh, yeah, yeah, park
1: yeah. that one too, everybody.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what we we were told, and I, I meant to bring this up, and again, bad journalism on my part. Maybe I'll text Stu uh, a confirmation of this. But we were also told that you know with the Monster deal in Kawasaki, he was offered stock in the in the company, and you know didn't really want it, wasn't really interested in it. You know he's a Red Bull guy, and he was a Red Bull guy the rest of his career, and they certainly did many great things for him. But apparently, he was offered some Red Bull or Monster stock that would be worth. Multi-multi-millions oh. of dollars at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: yeah, we have heard that story, and it's definitely believable that they would offer stock. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, um, But I can't make fun of anybody for that because uh, I believe you and I had industry people telling us to buy
3: stock, yeah. and, yeah, we yeah. Didn't, and oh, yeah. we'd
1: be millionaires too.
3: Yeah, no, so. we wouldn't be doing this. That's that, no. that's for sure. No, I'd be retired. Uh, thanks to the folks at Guts Racing. Of course, Guts Racing, uh, Pulp 20 is the code to save with those guys up in NorCal uh thanks to the folks at guts great phantom light phantom lightweight seat foam they've got uh, covers all sorts of covers they do my vintage bike stuff so if you have an older bike you need to freshen it up they can make you foam and a cover for that uh they've got ribbed seat covers uh, for your pleasure you can pick uh, custom colors as well on guts racing website really really cool um so thanks to folks at guts racing and of course um pro taper as well monster energy star yamaha speaking of monster using uh pro taper bars Rockstar and GS Gavarna, uh, using ProTaper products: sprockets, chains, grips. Uh, ProTaper.com. They got the new uh, ACF bar as well coming out. So thanks to the folks at uh, ProTaper, and of course Leah. Liet. Leah.com. Uh, they make mountain bike stuff. They make uh, moto stuff. And use the use the contact form at HopeMax.com to uh, send us the um, uh, an email, and we'll pass you on a, a code to say with Leah.com. Thanks to Stu for doing this. we Anything else on this? Or Do you want to move right into our categories?
1: Let's do the categories.
3: All right. Well, uh, we're going to do the categories. We'll do this. The categories will be for 08 Steel City, even though this pod is more the perfect season, just because we'll pick a certain race. Uh re Reraceables categories. Who really who really won the race? Uh, who do you got, Weech? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Stu. Oh, okay. All right. But, yeah,
1: he won every single race. I'm going to go with Stu. I'll
3: go Tim Ferry, because oh, as okay. I said, I believe he came really close to ending this streak at Steel City. So,
1: he pushed him. Pushed you know, him right to the end. I remember you know, sweating it. You know. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. We're gonna get just Red Dog. Absolutely on, sweating it. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get Red Dog on one of these. But a case could be made. Steel City 2008 was Tim Ferry's last great stand, because he went two-two on the day, basically winning, basically mm-hmm. winning. Oh, okay. Changed the bike in '09. His Supercross wasn't great. A lot of five to tens, right? Then he yep. breaks his heel at Daytona yep. 09, the J-Law race, and he's never the same. One could make a case when he basically won Steel City 08 was the last time Ferry was great.
1: That's a very basic basically on the basically one. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Actually, Ferry was really good um, for two, three years. Or j- j- 07, 08 on Cowie. Uh, 06 yeah, was the and- Moto Triple X year, right? Yes. Um, no, he was excellent. 05, he, 05
3: was me. We He got away from me. Yes. In, in 06, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, 07, 08, he was really good. Uh, he was like the best beer mortal. I'll give you that. You know, if if Carmichael or Stewart or Reed were winning things, he was the next best guy, which is all you could ask for. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess you're right. 09 was not the same. So this may have been his last great one. Good point.
3: What a test rider. What a test rider they got.
1: Hey, did James not somewhat confirm
3: that? (laughs) He did. He did. He came on the team. He helped
1: James set up the bike. Thank you.
3: Uh, He did a little bit. Okay, uh, Steel City 08. Who's that guy award uh, for Steel City 08? Uh, Who you got, Uh,
1: Weech? 40th overall, I've never heard of. uh, Steven Hauser from Mooresboro, North Carolina. I live in Mooresville. Uh, So we're practically neighbors, but not uh, in the same manner that Ferry won. He's my neighbor. Uh, So congrats, Stephen Hauser, for qualifying and going 40-40. Never heard of him.
3: Shout out to T Dags, by the way, 36-33. I'll go uh, Jay Weller, 28th overall from Wyoming. Uh, Can you name another motocrosser from Wyoming?
1: Uh, It says New York in the results I'm listening, too.
3: I got WY in the results I look at.
1: Oh, I got NY. Wow. Never change. Uh,
3: Hashtag never change.
1: Yes. Uh, Jay Weller. man, I might be wrong about this, but for some reason, gosh, I feel like he's connected. This makes no sense, Wyoming or New York. Why do I think he's connected to Red Bud people, like married into one of the Red Bud Michigan Mafia families? Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what Serena built.
3: Okay, for. what about Jace Lewis right ahead of him?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so Jace Lewis, I do remember. Uh, hot shot amateur in the Georgia area. And when we first started doing videos at Loretta's, Wes Williams and all his 16-year-old goons are like, oh, our guy, Jace Lewis, our guy, Jace Lewis, we want to do a video on Jace Lewis. He's our guy. He's our local fast guy. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, go ahead. So they, like, mic'd him up all week in, like, early Moto Spy days. And then he came out and actually won Loretta's title. It was epic video. It was unbelievable how well it worked out. And then uh, that's about all that worked out from there.
3: Shout out to Ben Evans. He was a WPS rep, and I saw him this year at um, oh. Boston Supercross. I think he works wow. for Wow, Pons- remember him. I think he works for parts now. I don't think he works for WPS anymore. Maybe. maybe. Anyways, Ben Evans, 2021. He was
1: solid. He was a good rider. He was good a
3: rider. good rider. He won some Canadian nationals even uh, over mm-hmm. the years. So um, good job to uh, Ben Evans. So who's that guy award goes to that Lit Kit Award. Honestly, I'll be honest. I didn't go back and look at this uh, race in particular for Lit Kits, but I'm going to go with Ferry's O'Neill Kit.
1: All right, fine. Well, uh, if you're going to do that, then uh, there was a certain – I don't know who he is. He's number 114. Mm. 114. His name is Justin Brayton out of Fort Dodge, Iowa. Looking good. Looking good.
3: Am I missing? Wh- wh- where is he? What spot Keep is he? Keep an
1: it? eye on this guy. What's I don't know. He raced that season.
3: He's not in this race.
1: He raced that season.
3: <laughs> we have a, a prominent industry guy, and the story still stands. When Brayton was racing 114, we this industry person told another friend of ours, That this 114 guy will never be anything.
1: Yeah, I was like, this is the only time you'll ever hear from him. He'll never have another good race again. Yeah, yeah.
3: so we still we love to throw that around in group text every now and then.
1: Uh, Yeah, damn it, he wasn't in the race. I was looking through photos from throughout the year. You know who actually looked good? Uh, David Millsap's made brief appearances in the series. The gear looked good. (laughs) And I actually feel like Alessi's kit, and I don't even remember. Was it A-Stars? No, I think it was JT, wasn't it? alessi
3: no not back then i'm sorry probably no. A stars yes probably A stars. i think
1: alessi's stuff looked really good yeah but well. by the end of the year none of these guys were there yeah where's the 114 who would later go on to win a moto at this track one year later
3: yes and somehow the 114 oh t- no, there he is 15th in a 250 class how oh, dare you oh the 250s my bad my bad
1: yes 250 specialist
3: yep. um so his gear was good 15th
1: overall his gear was good,
3: good? yeah okay
1: uh, I believe it was O'Neill as well, so how about that, right?
3: Yep. Yeah, O'Neill, can't you keep kidding. kidding. Uh, the Shit Kid Award. Um, again, I don't know. I was talking to Stu well, never, never got me to do any. Um, this is the, right around the year of the ugly Fox stuff. You know, I know. I that. was going to say, yeah.
1: I, I do want to mention the fact that this is like the only era of Fox gear ever that just doesn't really look good.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Stu's
1: gear didn't look good this year. Anyone in Fox didn't look good.
3: Nope, I agree with that. Nope. Um,
1: hey, see, there's a young uh, out of Millville, Minnesota, 30th in 250 class, the 144, Alex J. Martin.
3: Oh, legend.
1: Backed by Spring Creek
3: MX. Legend. I think, <laughs> I, think I think, I think Alan Brown's running the team this year. That That's a, like an Alan Brown, Ty Lube, Honda thing or something.
1: I don't know. Spring Creek MX. I don't know where he found that connection, but. that's who it says he's
3: riding (laughs) not sure yeah uh cody cooper twenty three, thirty one, probably already had that jgr money and was mailing (laughs) it in at this point already had the jgr money and again j bone never seeing him ride supercross and we're still gonna sign him up j bone yeah
1: yep i remember kind of asking like does anyone think he could do supercross (laughs) and there really wasn't an answer to that question (laughs) and it went absolutely horrible
3: Oh, like as no. horrible as
1: horrible could
0: go.
3: He's a great guy, Cody Cooper. A really, really cool guy. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. No. Uh, yep. All right. Uh, where's JT? Oh, this one's easy. 13th overall. 16-12. Oh, yeah. God, that 12th. That is all hey, JT right
1: there. 13th dude. overall, 16-12. Is that just not JT?
3: <laughs> well, and first of all, the 12th. Last motor of the year. The give-a-shit factor for Nick Way <laughs> in 14th for, for uh, uh, who else? For, uh. Uh, um, these other dudes, I'm trying to look at some of these other guys. The give- uh,
1: it's way actually 14th. Yeah. And 13th was uh, Fasciati.
3: Yeah. Fasciati Who's just stoked mm-hmm. to be there. Uh, JT's 12th. Uh, Carpenter's 10th. Matt Bonney's 11th. The give a shit is pretty low for a lot of guys, but JT just clicking off the laps, probably never deviating more than three seconds from the first lap to the last lap. Great point. Passing dudes left and right.
1: Great point.
3: Yep. So um All right. Uh so that's well,
1: it... we have one more award, Steve.
3: <laughs> the last award, the Jacob Marsack Award for the rider who did the best with, without you really remembering it, goes to each?
1: Uh Jacob Marsack.
3: Nice, nice Jacob... He's in
1: this race and he goes thirty thirty four for thirty fifth overall. So Jacob Marsack wins the Jacob Marsack Award.
3: I mean he has to, right? He it it's not even necessarily that great of a performance for Jacob Marsack, but he just has to do it.
1: Yeah, we just don't get him in these races a lot, so oh. so why not? Uh, I will say, do you remember this? Do you remember how mind-blown you were about Brock Hepler battling Timmy all day long? Yeah. This day? Yeah. Because Hepler got literally lapped at Southwick the week before. And literally he, lapped. And, and
3: him and Red Dog had epic battles, both motos.
1: Yes. Because Hepler gets lapped, and then people are like, oh, man, but Steel City's coming up. And you're like, come on! He can't go from lapped to doing well, and then... <laughs> Damn it all!
3: He did. Yeah. By the way, that was an underrated Lee at re What we did with with Bhep, he was pretty funny. He was pretty good.
1: Yes. 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 Uh, I was glad we got him.
3: Yeah. Yep. Um. By the way, for uh, Bhep
1: though, I don't know if you saw, he had an insane crash into a tree. Yes, from, like, yes a I Duro. did.
3: I did. This one. This one might be the uh, final nail in Bhep's racing career. It sounds <sighs> pretty. Gnarly.
1: Um, Go back to just this, gym teaching or whatever. He, I think he said he wanted to do.
3: This is yep. Hepler Factory Yamaha, right? Him and Red Dog going at it. Oh wait, right.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of hype, and even uh, James himself even recognized that uh, Hepler was his teammate upcoming. And uh, Hepler did, I remember, got one podium in Supercross, I guess would have been the next year. And uh, James, I swear, was more stoked on Hepler having ridden at his house for a few weeks and getting a podium uh, than winning the race himself.
3: JT started 19th after WAP1 and just (laughs) grinded out seven spots. (laughs)
1: Just rolling tank.
3: Just rolling tank getting it. these you know it was grit you know it was all-time grit yep yep yep. <laughs> yeah let's, let's let's see what he did in, in moto one moto one what did he get what did he get uh in moto one
1: 16 oh
3: dude 25th after the first lap so basically <laughs> he did the exact same in both motos it just was like where he started and if he had yep. started 38th, he would have got 21st. But, you yep. know, just whatever it worked out, Just that was it. Yep.
1: <laughs> JT in a nutshell.
3: Yep. yep, absolutely. Congratulations yep. to Jacob Marsak, by the way, for getting the Jacob Marsak Award. That's good stuff.
1: Yep, yep.
3: All right, that's a wrap. Thanks to James. We got him, Weege. We got him. Uh, it was awesome. So. Yeah, he was
1: good. I mean, color me as skeptical when he launched his podcast, um, like, is this going to last? And also I've been skeptical over – Uh, you know, anytime an athlete or really any celebrity is hosting their own thing, you're kind of waiting for the revisionist history. Uh, But credit to James here. You know, when I said, hey, maybe we're being unrealistic, expecting you in your first year on a 450 or even second, you know, to beat Carmichael, and it usually does take two or three years to figure it out. I mean, look where we are at Chase Sexton right now. It's his third outdoor year on the 450. He's getting it together. Uh, But credit to James for not taking that. Like, he's pretty – unfiltered in his own view of himself and when i would bring that up through the years people would say yeah but james brought that on himself he's the one that said he was going to dominate he's the one that said my whole life's about january eighth. he's the one that said he was going to do this and that so he brought some of that extra scrutiny on himself and james admits that which yep. is really cool. Yep. He doesn't have to do that. I, I didn't expect that kind of thing. Most athletes
0: won't do it.
3: No, he, his. The, I don't listen to every pod, is every breakdown, or anything else. But I listen to. I, picked, I cherry picked the episodes here and there, and I, I, think it's been good, man. I think he's been getting better, and uh, you know, we had you were in studio for the pulp show that he was on. <laughs> yes, we talked to him I for was. an hour. He was great. yep it's, uh, yeah. it's not yep. something I had in my uh, bingo card. Stew coming out of the no. woods to, to talk a lot. Yeah.
1: When a member of the media tells an athlete that maybe we got it wrong. The athlete rarely says, no, that was on me just as much as you. Very rare for an athlete to say that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, And
1: he's like, no, I hyped it up myself, so that's what I get.
3: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Still still mind-blowing. You know, you walk the track in 2022 and you hear riders say it's stewable and what would James do, and he's been gone for six years or whatever, and he's still on the front of everybody's minds, and people talk about him telling all these, doing all these things and, and, you know, some of the stuff that he said and some of the stuff he does. And it's, it's, he's, he's got a legacy. There's no doubt, you know? Um,
1: yeah. I do get worried. Like, when do we get to the point where someone watches a Stu video? Is it like at the 15 year mark or something where you're like, Oh man, it doesn't look that fast. Like where, you know, just as bikes evolve, you know, like a brand anybody's parade here, but if you watch a Jeremy McGrath race from 1996 on a 252 stroke, He's not going as fast as they do on Supercross tracks now. It just is what it is. Um, So how long – or maybe we'll just be smart and we'll never – no one will ever say those words.
3: Yeah, I think that's – hopefully hopefully that's the way it is. You know, by the way, uh, I know we got to go here, but I watched some Stu video a week ago, two weeks ago, him and Kennard going at it at a high point. And I'm like,
1: Uh, Kennard. Millville. Millville."
3: um, No, high point. Put, oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Millville, there is the Millville race for sure, absolutely. Yes. But I watched the race. Shit, maybe it was Millville. We, no, I'm thinking. I, I don't. May, uh, I think yeah, there was a Canard. There is. Stewart
1: won from Millville. It's pretty infamous now. It's but, amazing.
3: So that made me look at Canard in a new light. Now I sat back and went <laughs> like, "Look at Trey Canard. Look at him. You know? So, yeah. 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 Funny. Toe
1: to toe with Stu. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no doubt. Just,
3: just raw yeah. speed. Just scrubbing. Just he's like, "What do you got, Stu? I'm ready." You know? Yes.
1: So, yeah. Yes, it's good. Yeah, it, we're not at that point yet, that's for sure. No. You, you don't watch any of the stew stuff now. Verb puts out clips of stew. I think, every Tuesday on Stew's Day. And it's always something crazy and amazing. So we're not at that point yet. I just don't know. You know, if you watch the first freestyle moves that were crazy, they're not crazy anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do we ever get to that? We just need to sign a pact, every <laughs> fan <laughs> of the sport. Never say it.
3: If we get to that point, I'm just walking off a bridge. So that will be it. We'll be good. Okay. Yeah. You
1: know, hey, you're waiting for some kid who's probably not born yet, turning pro, 18 years from now, and saying, I don't know. I watch James Stewart videos. I don't understand what the big deal is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to punch it's gonna that kid, I'm punch that kid 20 in the face. It years from now, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, thanks to Leah. Thanks to ProTaper, Scott, Maxis, Guts Racing, all on board with us. Thanks to Stu for taking the time for this. Thanks, Weege.
1: See ya.